Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Unfortunately, it's a fact of life. Many marriages are affected by infidelity. We really don't know because various research projects come up with various numbers. We know that when people contact us for help with their marriages, two out of three of those couples have had their marriage affected by infidelity. And so the question becomes, okay, if that has occurred, can you repair a marriage that's been affected by infidelity? The husband's infidelity, the wife's infidelity, or sometimes both of them. Can you repair a marriage after that? Well, as a matter of fact, you can. But do you want to? We'll be talking about that in just a couple of minutes. Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam with Marriage Helper. This is Kimberly Holmes, our our tremendous leader at Marriage Helper, our CEO. And she and I will be discussing this in just a moment. This is Relationship Radio, an extension of Marriage Helper International. Hosted by renowned marriage and relationship expert, Dr. Joe Beam and CEO of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Beam Holmes. We answer your questions directly with research-based principles that you can implement immediately. Regardless of the situation, what we teach will not only make your relationships better, but will also help you to become the best version of yourself along the way. Turn up the volume and prepare to take notes as we begin this week's episode of Relationship Radio. So, Kimberly, do you think more people proportionately are having affairs in our day and time, or has it always been like this through history? I realize we can't document that with great research, but what do you think? Yeah, well, I was going to say we don't know because we don't have the research, but I would say it is probably been pretty consistent, although it feels like because of the current day culture that it may be more rampant now than ever. I think perhaps what's different now than before is we are in a time in society that sometimes doesn't look down on the affairs or the open life marriage lifestyle or having more than one partner at a time, right? Like we know polyamory is becoming more and more popular and all of those kinds of things. And even couples that we have worked with are saying that that's what caused their marriage problems to absolutely no surprise on our end. So to answer your question, I don't know that we could say that it's more popular now than it's ever been, but what do you think? Do you think it's always been this rampant? No, I actually think that uh, it's because of the fact that people have greater opportunity, that it's more rampant now. It, uh, human nature probably has always been the same. But when you lived in a culture where that the housewife stayed home all day and the husband went to work and came back from work, then the opportunities were not as rampant. Now, typically both spouses work, not 
in every marriage, but most of them do. And even if that weren't a factor, there is also the internet, all kinds of connections on social media, et cetera. Plus, as you said, we're now living in a society where that kind of thing is not condemned in the same way it used to be by the people around you. And so if a guy's having an affair, his buddies will more likely now help him hide it. Now, maybe they would in the past, but I know they will now in this culture. Or if the wife is having an affair, it's more than likely that her friends are going to help her hide it. Although uh, that might have been going on in the past as well. But it appears to me that that it's rampant, that it happens a lot. Now, we work with marriage just trying to help them get strong to the point where that that never does occur, to divorce proof of marriage, to affair proof of marriage, and to keep infidelity from occurring in the marriage. But then infidelity will occur. And as I mentioned earlier, two out of the three couples who will contact us to come to our workshops are there because one of them, if not both, has been involved in infidelity, not faithful to the other person. And so the question becomes, can that be repaired? So in general, Kimberly, how would we answer that? Yes. <laughs> it can be repaired. There is hope. There is possibility on the other side of having a better marriage than even before. But it doesn't just happen. It takes work. It takes intentionality. And it takes doing what needs to be done to build a better marriage than before. I said this just, just the other day on a webinar I was doing. And of course... I, I learned it from you, but it's the principle that rarely is the affair the core issue in the marriage. It is more than likely a symptom of many other things that have been happening for probably a very long time. And so you really have to realize that you deal with the affair and most of the time that's a separate issue, but then you also have to work on fixing the relationship and fixing the marriage and making it strong, which is an issue on its own as well. Mm -hmm. And there are all kinds of other things involved in there, like forgiveness, trust, many things like that. So when it comes to looking at whether you can repair a marriage after infidelity, can we repair it? Can we make it good again? We have worked with literally thousands upon thousands of couples, and our success rate runs over 70%. Now, if you think about two out of three couples that come to our workshops are there because of an affair or infidelity, and then you see that 70% of the couples that come wind up saving their marriage, then you can see it's definitely, definitely possible. Not only possible, but that it can actually be good again. Now, I know it's been a lot of hurt. It was a terrible thing. Nobody wants it to happen. But you can actually make the marriage good again after it happens. But understand, not only are there some things that you need to do that are essential, there are some things you need not to do that become just as essential. So, Kimberly, let's answer a couple of questions we have here. And as we go through these, let's... Uh, Let's see if we can give some pointers and principles here about how it can be repaired, but some things that we certainly don't recommend that you try by trying to repair. So the first question is about a woman talking about her husband. Hey, everyone. My name is Scott, and I'm a client representative here at Marriage Helper, which means I do strategy calls with people and help connect them to our best resources for their particular situations. Dr. Beam and Kimberly Holmes have asked me to read a question that was submitted by one of our listeners for today's episode. This listener submitted the following question. Her ex-husband has been with his limerent object on and off for four years. They have broken up several times. He has a lifestyle that the limerent object openly accepts, 
although our listener does not accept these lifestyle practices. She wonders, can a lifestyle keep them together? Kimberly and I are a Save My Marriage program. Mm -hmm. We talk about the difference between pushes and pulls. Of course, in our workshop, we get into it in much, much more detail because in three days, we can talk about things much more uh, in depth than we can in, in a 12-week online program where we talk a half hour each week, that kind of thing. But even in that, let's say my marriage course, we explain the difference in pushes and pulls. Now, let me give you the simple version of that, if I may. In every relationship, there are some pushes. What that means is nobody's perfect. And so some of the things you do, some of the things you say, it's et cetera, will be negatives to the other person. And so we call those pushes. So most marriages have some pushes. Welcome to the real world. That's life. And then most marriages have some pulls. Pulls are things that would pull a person out of the marriage. And so on any given day, there might be something out there where a guy goes, wow, if I were single again, I could go to that baseball game in, in, in uh, Atlanta and watch the Braves play. And it, but, but being married, I got responsibilities. And so we call those pulls, but they're not big pulls. They're just part of life. And so if a marriage that does not have big pushes and does not have big pulls, then it's a typical marriage. Now, if the pushes get bigger and bigger and bigger, it doesn't take much of a pull to get a person to want to leave that marriage and go over here. Sometimes the pull can even be, I just want to be alone. Or sometimes there's a pull that gets bigger and bigger and bigger, even if there are not much, not many pushes going on over here. And sometimes that's another person like infidelity. Sometimes that can be a lifestyle they want to live that they can't live if they stay in this relationship. Sometimes it can be a fantasy that they're trying to fulfill, a dream they're going after, but it becomes something that's so important to them. It becomes more important to them than this relationship over here. And so they go after that. Now, that's a pretty simple explanation of that. Again, if you want to know more, uh, Kimberly will tell you later what you can do. For example, there's a Save My Marriage course that you can do online, but really a course that we do that's a three-day intensive that we would recommend even over that because of what it can do for you. But with what I've said so far, here's what the lady just said. I'm looking at the question again that she wrote and sent in. He has a lifestyle that she openly accepts, and he doesn't want to give up that lifestyle, but I don't accept that lifestyle. Can a lifestyle keep them together? Let me give the short answer, and then Kimberly can elaborate. Yes, a lifestyle can keep them together as long as the lifestyle is doing for the person what they want it to do. If that lifestyle begins to lose uh, attraction over time, in other words, a person's getting older and doesn't want to go drinking every night anymore, or a, a person's tired of going to sex clubs because now he or she has gotten older, and not many people want to have sex with them anymore or whatever it might be. But they're using drugs, but now the drugs are just wiping them out and they can't keep a job anymore. But if, if that attraction stays strong, can it keep them with the other person associated with that attraction? And the answer is yes. But it's not because of the person. It's because of the lifestyle. The person is not as relevant as you think he or she may be because they can actually change out people and still maintain that same lifestyle. So the short answer to that is yes. Kimberly, I know we don't have stats exactly on that, but how would you guess the percentages of couples we see where one 
wants to leave the marriage because of a lifestyle that he or she can't continue in if they stay married to the person they're married to now. Yeah. I mean, for the, for the ones that we work with that ultimately end up not working, I would say that's a high percentage of, of the reason why. So of that 25 to 30% that doesn't work, probably 80 ish percent of those people, it's because they just wanted to have it their way. They wanted their lifestyle to be a certain way. They didn't want to give up certain things and that's how it was going to be. And Joe, I mean, what are some examples of those lifestyles? Clearly it could be addiction based. So, you know, alcohol, gambling, things like that, that they don't want to give up, but what else could it be? Well, one couple we dealt with, he wanted to be 21 again, basically. He wanted to go out. It it was not like he was addicted to the alcohol. He was, um, if you're going to call it an addiction, which I wouldn't necessarily do so. He wanted to go hang out with his buddies every night, you know, till midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock, and then come home. And his wife was saying, we can't live like that. And so to him, it was a lifestyle of trying to recapture some of his youth. On another uh, case, it was, we sometimes see this, particularly with Facebook uh, connections, that all of a sudden they want to go back and start dating the person that they dated in high school. And you say, oh, then it's about the person. Well, it could be. But most of the time, then what it really is, they're trying to recapture some of their youth. They're going after a fantasy. Uh, we had one couple come to the workshop and he said, we can't continue like this. I actually, uh, if you keep doing what you're doing, she had been invited uh, by one of her friends to a sex club and had sex with three or four strange men that night and became totally enamored of it. And so her demand to her husband was, unless you go to sex clubs with me, I'm leaving this marriage. And his response was, I'm not going to do that. So Kimberly, when people sometimes give an ultimatum like that, they basically say, look, accept my lifestyle or even become part of my lifestyle and we can stay married because I want to be married to you. What would we recommend to people? Should they actually become part of that lifestyle? Mm-hmm. People should never do anything that goes against what their beliefs and values are. Now, if this lifestyle was, hey, let's move to the beach and, you know, sell all of our things and just have this great life. And that's the lifestyle your spouse wanted to be a part of because that's what they were attracted to. I think a lot of people could buy into that. That's not going to violate many beliefs and values. But for the ones that you were saying, right? I mean, getting involved in sexual things and things that include other people, you're starting to violate a ton of people's most of the values they have, ethical, I mean, even just physical safety in in terms of their health. And so people should never agree to do anything just to save the marriage if it's going to go against their personal beliefs and values or their health. Yeah. And that's a good point to help. So in the situation where the woman was saying to her husband, I can stay married to you if you will start going to the sex clubs with me. And he said, can't do it. That's not who I am. What we tell people is this, that if you change your beliefs and values to accommodate your spouse, then you're going to become a different person. And one day you're going to wake up because you, because your beliefs and values are part of your identity, part of your self-image, it's part of your self-concept. And one day you're going to wake up and look at yourself and think, who have I become? I don't like who I am anymore. Why, why did I do that? So if you do something to accommodate them that's in violation of particular beliefs and values that you have, like this guy going to the sex club, then it's going to work against you in the long run. Now, another aspect of that is this, and Kimberly just mentioned it. If, what if she were to say, well, okay, 
just tolerate my going to the sex club and we'll continue to be married and I'll come home and we'll have occasionally sex ourselves. Our, our recommendation would still be that's not only a violation of your beliefs and values that your wife would be committing infidelity with several guys several nights a week, which would just tear you apart. But also, as Kimberly just mentioned, there's a health factor now. Who knows what kind of diseases she might be picking up from people who are having sex with a lot of different people. And so sometimes you have to look at yourself and say, no, I love this person. I would like to save the marriage, but I'm not going to become somebody that I don't want to be to save this marriage. Now, we'll talk more about that actually in the next episode about, well, when is it time to walk away? But right now we're saying this, that if you're going to try to repair marriage after infidelity, you must understand that people can leave for another person or a lifestyle or a fantasy or a dream or an addiction. But a person can also leave for all kinds of things that you don't want to be part of. Now, if they will stop those things, then you can put the marriage back together if those things are in violation or contradiction to you. So we recommend this then, Kimberly. Eliminate pushes you can eliminate, like don't whine, don't beg, don't plead, don't do those things. But but if you're standing for what you believe in value, it's considered to be a push by the other person pushing them away from you. We don't recommend you give those things up. It, those are what we would call essential pushes. What would you add to that, Kimberly? I'm sorry. I talked most of the time through there. I absolutely agree. And I would say we're going to start seeing this being even more of an issue over the next several years and decades as right now, the feedback that I'm hearing from this younger generation, the people in their 20s, maybe even early 30s that are still single is many of them are completely going against what their beliefs and values are in order to feel accepted or to meet expectations of other people. And so if that is what the culture is to begin seeing, then that's going to show up in marriage later. And it's not a healthy way to go. I mean, I had a friend who said that their cousin, who's about 22 years old, was talking about how she went on a date with Guy and slept with him on the first date because that's what he wanted, even though she didn't want to. But she didn't want to say no, because that was what was expected of her. And I just thought, oh my goodness, when did it become bad for people to set boundaries of their self-worth and what they're going to say no to? That's okay. It's, you should, you should set these boundaries for yourself. It is healthy for you to do so. Now, it sounds like we're saying that it's impossible if your spouse is leaving for a lifestyle like that for you to save the marriage, but that's not actually the case. We've had many people who have come to the workshop that they convince the spouse to come to the workshop with them just to say, well, before we make our final decision about what we're going to do, would you go to this three day intensive with marriage helper? And when the, and when they go to the workshop, we cover so many things in depth. Now we don't twist anybody's arm to stay married. We don't try to manipulate in any shape, fashion or form. We just teach a lot of good information and help people think about things that they typically don't think about. Well, have you considered this? Have you thought about that? Do you understand this, et cetera, et cetera. And we have seen people, give up those lifestyles after coming to our workshop. We have seen them say, okay, I understand what's important to you. And, and I'm willing to stop that pull, that lifestyle to be with you. But at the same time, there's some things here that you need to do. What we've been talking about so far is what we recommend you don't do. Don't change to become somebody that you're not. Don't violate your own beliefs and principles. Don't do that kind of thing. 
Let me talk about another question here first, Kimberly, and we'll give a couple of more points about what we're talking about here. Hey guys, my name is Rusty and I work on the coaching team here at Marriage Helper. I work with couples and individuals in their marriage situations, everything from crisis uh, to, to just making it better. One of our listeners wrote in today and her question is, is it possible to repair a marriage after infidelity? One partner is completely done and the cheating partner wants to repair it and make it better. In this particular case, this guy has cheated, but he doesn't want to continue that lifestyle. He's not wanting to continue the relationship with the person that he cheated with. He wants to be forgiven. He wants to put the marriage back together, but he's saying my spouse isn't interested. Uh, We can understand that, can't we? Why a spouse might not want to put a marriage back together after infidelity. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of broken trust, a lot of what ifs this what if this happens again? There's a lot of questions that remain unanswered some of the time, and that can make it more difficult for a person to want to move forward after infidelity has happened. Although that does not mean that they shouldn't try. I mean, even when we look at research, we see that once forgiveness happens after infidelity has occurred, then those marriages have amazing levels of success and fulfillment within them than if the couple were to divorce. Yeah, and that's not because of the affair. It's by what they learn because of the affair. And we don't recommend people go out and have an affair to make your marriage stronger. As a matter of fact, that would be like, you know, lighting a stick of dynamite and and sitting on it just to see if you might be able to fly into space. It's not a very bright thing to do. But yes, it's a known fact in the marriage industry that if you get past a major problem, such as infidelity, and get to the other side of it, that your marriage will be better. So here he is, Kimberly. He wants to be forgiven and she's hurt. We can understand her hurt. So what's some advice we can give this guy about possibly putting it back together? Now, again, if we can get you to come with her, if she'll come with you to our three-day intensive workshop, in that workshop, you'll both learn a lot about how it happened, why it happened, and how you can get past it and make a better marriage in the future. Now, if she's just still angry and doesn't want to come, don't try to force her to come. That's never going to work out. But there are ways we can help you figure out how to convince her to come that are not manipulative ways. And Kimberly will talk more about that in a few minutes about how we can do that. But understand some things that you need to be doing in the meantime. And, and so the first thing would be pretty simple, but let's make sure you understand it. If you want your spouse to get past the infidelity, you must stop all contact of any kind whatsoever with the person that you are unfaithful with. Kimberly, you think that's hard to do? You know, I, I do, depending on where the person is in that affair process. So if they have already ended it and decided this is what they want to commit to, they want their marriage, it might be easier for them if they've realized the loss that could happen from the other side of it. But if they're still in that fresh stages of it's, it's, hasn't ended yet, or it just ended, then yeah, it can be difficult because what most people don't realize is the person who's ending the affair is experiencing loss. And so they're going to grieve it like they would grieve another loss that they could have in their life. And it can be hard 
to separate themselves from that emotion. They also might feel responsible for the pain that they've caused to the person that they had an affair with, even the pain that they've caused to their own wife and family, or, you know, if it was a wife that had the affair, her husband and her family. And so there's a lot of emotions that go into that, that can make it difficult, but it absolutely has to happen in order to rebuild your marriage. You can't have both. And so stopping, as Kimberly said, can be somewhat difficult. And sometimes people even work together. We have often suggested that people uh, ask for a transfer, get, get sent to another office, uh, do whatever it takes to get away from that. Because if you want your spouse to get over it, it's going to be awfully difficult for her or him to get over it when they know that you're still seeing that other person every day at work. And if you think, well, my job's really important to me. Well, in that case, we'd ask you to make a decision, which is more important your marriage or your job. Well, I want both. Well, understand that when infidelity occurs, there are consequences to that. And if you want the other person to trust you, you have to stop to the point where the other person has full confidence that you've stopped, which means sometimes you'll need to change your email address. You'll need to change your cell phone number and, and then and make yourself very transparent. Like, okay, you can check my emails or you can see my text messages. You can see my phone bill every month to see who I've been talking to. Now, nobody wants to live like that forever because it makes you feel like a child. But you can live like that for several months, maybe even up to a year, so that the other person can trust you. When I ask Alice to take me back, well, over 30 years ago now, after I had left her for another woman and actually divorced when Alice took me back, I willingly did all those things. And I'm not setting myself up as the perfect example. Obviously, I did a bunch of crappy stuff. But it was like, you handle all the money. If you handle all the money, you know where every dollar is going. You don't have to worry about what's going on there. And cell phones were just coming out back then, so we didn't have the access that you have now. But you understand, rebuild that trust. And then, Kimberly, there's something else we talk about, which is, you're not going to win by continuing to tell the other person how sorry you are. Yes. I mean, if someone just continues to apologize and say they're sorry and beg and plead and whine for forgiveness over and over, then eventually both people are going to believe that the person is a sorry person, that they're no good, that they might not have as much value, even though that's not true. And so it does no good to apologize over and over for the same thing. Once you have been forgiven, you're done. And even if you've said sorry, but the person hasn't explicitly said, I forgive you in that moment, then is there still reason to continue apologizing if you've done, if you've done your part in apologizing and asking for forgiveness? Because words program people. The words you say can program you. If you're the kind of person who's always like, I think I'm sick, I think I'm sick, you'll be sick more. Even if you're not really sick, you'll be sick more. People who think positive thoughts tend to build themselves up. And if you continue to say things like, I, I did such an evil thing, I'm so sorry, I'm so bad. I If you repeat that over and over again, you're programming yourself to think you're no good. And you're programming the other person to think you're no good. Now you might be saying, but, but wait a minute, what if they're still upset about it? Well, other things you can do that communicate without beating yourself up. Like once you said, I'm so terribly sorry. I wish it had never happened. Please forgive me. I hope that you find any heart where you can. If they bring it up again, you can say, yes, it was bad. I am so happy that I'm past that. If they bring it up again, you can say, yes, I, I know it takes a while to heal from that hurt. Let me know how I can help that hurt heal. In other words, you keep acknowledging 
the pain without beating yourself up. Like, well, I, I'm so happy that I know better and will never knew that again. But it, you can't start with those because it sounds like you're avoiding responsibility if you start with those. You have to start with, I'm terribly sorry. I did wrong. And then one other thing, Kimberly, <laughs> if the other person starts asking questions about all the things you did, are there some questions you should uh, ask not to answer specifically and graphically? Yes, there are some of those questions. And we go much more into depth in that in the workshop that we have, as well as the the process of asking for forgiveness and and forgiving. I was just sitting here as you were talking, thinking that's one of the powerful parts of our workshop is being able to go through that section and then each spouse be able to see, here's what I need to talk about and make sure you understand as we're going through forgiveness and here's, and both, both are able to say that. And so for both of those things come to our workshop. I mean, especially when you're trying to rebuild your marriage after infidelity has happened, our workshop has amazing success rates for these situations. And it is the best thing that you can do when rebuilding. Yeah, we maybe have counselors and therapists all across America specifically who send couples to us saying, you know, you guys move people ahead six months in three days. And so I want that with my couples and they send them to us all the time. It is extremely effective. It's very powerful. And yet we don't manipulate. We don't twist arms. We don't do any of that kind of thing. We just teach. But it's amazing to see the transformation that can happen in three days when people start understanding, oh, that's why that happened. Oh, that's how that occurred. Oh, this is what forgiveness is. And this is what I should do, but this is what I shouldn't do. Yeah. I, I'm saying, and Kimberly is saying, if we didn't see it nearly every weekend, because we do workshops nearly every weekend, we continue to see an extremely high success rate. As a matter of fact, we're starting new research because we think our success rate has actually climbed significantly. So we're starting a brand new research project at the first of the year to find out just how effective it is. We've had numbers for a while ago. We're going to get more numbers now. So, we offer that because we want to help you save your marriage. Okay. So some things you should share, some things you should ask not to share, like the graphics. If your spouse says, well, did you blank her? Those kinds of questions we recommend strongly that you ask, can we defer that till after we go to the workshop and understand some more things? Because sometimes answering those kind of questions make things a whole lot worse. Well, Kimberly, we're going to do another relationship radio, the very next one about, okay, so when do you decide to walk away? Right now, we're just answering, is it possible to save a marriage after infidelity? We're saying yes, but sometimes it's not worth the price you would pay. If you have to become somebody that you don't want to be, it's not worth the price. But there are other things to consider beyond that about when you should walk away, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. So right now, what kind of takeaways can we uh, offer people from this episode? The first takeaway that we have for this episode is to remember that people do sometimes leave a marriage to go and pursue a lifestyle. However, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try and still fight to bring your spouse back and get this marriage to work. But ultimately, there may come a time where you have to realize yourself, I am not willing to bend on my beliefs and values or change them in order to meet my spouse's demands because I would become a person I don't want to be anymore. And that's a good thing to realize. So stay true to your own beliefs and values. 
Another key takeaway is remember that you want to eliminate any pushes that you do that are pushing your husband or your wife away that aren't the essential pushes that Joe talked about. Now, if you want to know more about those essential pushes, pulls, how you can navigate that and understand it even better. You can find out all about that inside our Save My Marriage course. We will have a link in the show notes below so that you can access that. It's an incredibly powerful course for if you're the one trying to get your marriage to work, but your spouse wants out. This online course, you can go through at your own pace and it gives you a great template and game plan for you to follow to save your marriage and bring your spouse back. Another key takeaway is when you are repairing your marriage after infidelity, then you really need to focus on rebuilding trust. Stop the affair. That is a good start to rebuilding trust. And then do the things that will help rebuild the trust, share passwords, share where you've been, create that accountability. We teach more of that when you come through our couples workshop on how you can do that, which leads to the final key takeaway, which is when you need help, get it especially, especially if you are in those really fragile stages of putting it back together and trying to repair it because it can feel like any misstep could be what ends up making it fall apart. And sometimes that does happen because people don't know what to do. We can teach you what to do, especially inside of our couples turnaround weekend. And you can find out more about that marriage helper turnaround weekend workshop by visiting the show notes below. You can schedule a free call with one of our client relations reps that will tell you more about how will how it will benefit benefit your specific marriage situation and they can get you registered for it and make sure you secure a slot because we have many workshops that fill up a month or more in advance. So be sure that you get on the list for the dates that you can come to. So stop feeling bad that you won't change to become a different person that goes to a lifestyle you don't want to live. Stop feeling bad about that. It's a good thing for you to be true to you. And stop beating yourself up if you are the one who has committed infidelity. Be sorry for it. Apologize. But stop beating yourself up and start doing the positive things. Well, Kimberly, in the very next episode of Relationship Radio, we're going to be talking about, well, so there is a time to walk away. Mm -hmm. Can you give us, you might be thinking out there, can you give us the exact point when we walk away? No, (laughs) we can teach you the principles and based on those principles, you can make the best decision about when it's time to walk away to end the marriage. And that's what we'll talk about in relationship radio in our next episode. I look forward to it. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of relationship radio. Please refer to the notes in the description to learn more about any resources mentioned in this episode. Please visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about our online courses, marriage workshops, and coaching. We exist to help save marriages and strengthen families. We look forward to interacting with you on the next episode of Relationship Radio.